Welcome to Supernatural Podcast episode number 50 for Dream a Little Dream of Me. 50 episodes and still going, thanks to those of you who've been listening from the beginning, as well as those who've joined us along the way. This episode was directed by Steve Boyum. The story was written by Sarah Gamble and Katherine Humphreys. The teleplay is by Katherine Humphreys and originally aired in the U.S. on February 7, 2008. Stars shining bright above you Night breezes seem to whisper I love you Birds singing in the sycamore tree Dream a little dream of me Let's move on to the synopsis with Kristen and Beth. Supernatural episode 3.10 Dream a little dream of me We open with Bobby wandering around an old house. He seems like he's on a hunt. Kind of innocent, you don't really know what's going on yet. But then, out of nowhere, some woman jumps on him and starts screaming and beating him. And we we pan out and we find out it's all in Bobby's head and that he's actually dreaming. And then the maid walks in to change the sheets and she can't get him to wake up. Next thing we see is Sam in a bar. Dean is looking all over for him and find Sam drinking whiskey at two in the afternoon. Sam's depressed that he can't stop Dean's fate, and he's starting to think that even Ruby can't stop him. And he's realizing that no one can save him, and not just because no one can, but because he doesn't think Dean wants to be saved. He's a very honest drunk. Okay, so... The boys get a call that Bobby's in the hospital. He seems perfectly healthy, even though he's comatose. I mean, Dean even says... The guy never gets sick. He never even catches cold. And the hospital doesn't know what's causing Bobby's ailment, so they can't treat him. So the boys figure he must have been on some kind of hunt and check out his hotel room. They can't really find anything until Sam looks behind the clothes in the closet and they find you know, the map and all the little notes. Good old Bobby always covering his tracks. They decide to find out what Bobby was hunting and why. The boys realize that the victim Bobby was researching died in his sleep. Dean finds out that the victim was a sleep specialist, and he was doing classified experiments. Dean's still not great at lying, but he does get the victim's former assistant to turn over all the research. He's great at planned lying, but not impromptu lying. That's right. Dean goes to speak to one of Dr. Gregg's test subjects. He offers him a beer, and even though Dean's technically on duty, he takes it. Of course Dean takes it. (laughs) It's a beer. Anyway, uh, the guy can't dream because he hurt his head as a kid. His dad wasn't exactly the nicest person and ended up beating him in the head with a baseball bat, which is how he got the traumatic head wound that prevents him from dreaming. So the test that Dr. Greg was doing gave him this yellow tea that would knock him straight out and give him the most vivid, super intense dreams. Like a badass trip. You know? And Dean obviously replies, totally. I mean, no. Uh, he says he dropped out of the study right after that because it was so intense that it scared him. Mm-hmm. I, I believed him. I did, too. I actually thought that it was, like, some weird type of demon thing that yeah. um, he had experienced, and so he looks like, hell no, I'm not touching that stuff again. Sam finds out an African dream root was used in the study. The dream root is used for dream walking. If you take enough of it, you can turn bad dreams good and good dreams bad. You can even kill people in their sleep. So 
Sam says at this point in time that they would probably be calling Bobby for help, but because Bobby's in a coma, they can't. So Dean comes up with the idea that they should just ask Bobby for help, a.k.a. try dreamwalking in his sleep. Now, at first, Sam's hesitant, but Dean finally convinces him because, dude, it's Bobby. Yeah, you're right. Um, but the only way they can get the dream root, because it's very hard to come by, is through Bella. Crap. Bella. Bella. Crap. And then, Sam, back in the hotel room by himself, and Bella shows up. But she's not there to give Sam the dream root. She's there to seduce him. (laughs) See, the dream was very out of context for me. And out of character. They... It was, I guess it was thrown in for humor. It was funny. It was funny, and especially his reaction afterwards. Right. It seemed like it could have easily be taken out and nothing would have been lost. Yeah. Uh, and back in reality, uh, Bella comes over and gives them the dream root. Dean, of course, wants to know what strings are attached because it's Bella and she always wants something. Uh, but she says that Bobby saved her life once in Flagstaff and therefore she's not doing it for them, she's doing it for Bobby. Right. Because we all love Bobby. So, anyways, the boys get ready to drink the dream root. And you have to drink part of the dreamer's body in the glass with the dream root. Ew. Which, in this case, was Bobby's hair. When After they drink it, they're like, hmm, did it work? Hmm, I don't know. So, they don't think they're dreaming yet until they notice it's raining upside down. And one thing that was really cool effect was as soon as they, um saw it, they kind of panned out, and the entire room had changed to the room that we saw Bobby in in the very beginning. Yeah, that was really awesome. That was cool. So, Sam and Dean split up, and Sam goes outside. Of course, the door closes on him, and Dean can't hear him from the outside. When we went back on Dean, he opens the door in the exact same way that Bobby did right before he was attacked, and so I immediately jumped on the idea that Dean was about to get jumped on. But instead... He walks over to the closet where Bobby's hidden. That's right. So, he finds Bobby. Bobby's a wreck. Bobby is completely convinced that it's reality. Right. He doesn't... Which is the scariest thing. Yeah, which is which is how they kill them inside their dreams, because once, once their mind accepts that they're dead, their body goes into shock and actually does die. So, we find out that the woman is Bobby's wife, and that he killed her because she was possessed at the time. And he has insane guilt issues over that. But it also leads to the question of what was important about Bobby that made the demons attack him. Because the Winchester family got into it because of because the yellow-eyed demon was after Sam. Right. So what was important about Bobby or what was important about his wife? True. Uh, but- so back outside, the crazy guy who can't dream... We don't know his name yet, but his name is Jeremy. Um, is controlling Bobby's dream because he because Bobby came after Jeremy. After he ended up killing... Killing Dr. Greg. Yeah. So, Dean has to convince Bobby it's a dream for all of them to get out of there, get the heck out of there unscathed. So, Dean's like, I'm not going to let you die. You're like a father to me. Bobby finally accepts it. He realizes that it's a dream, and... It forces them out, and they all wake up. So, uh, Bobby starts telling them about all the stuff that he remembers about Jeremy Frost, which is the stoner boy who was attacking them in the dream. And what happened was he had gotten some of Bobby's DNA by offering him a beer, which was the dumbest freaking thing. Wasn't that dumb? (laughs) Because... 
Dean was thirsty, and so he ended up taking some of himself. <laughs> so, now that we know that he also has some of Dean's DNA, they have to find him before they can go back to sleep. Dean is quite irritable when he doesn't have his beauty sleep. <laughs> so they're looking all over for Jeremy. They check the strip club, even, and they can't find him anywhere. Obviously, he knows that they're coming after him, and he needs to hide out. So Dean just decides, you know, I'm going to go to sleep, and I'm going to let him find me. Mm-hmm. So Sam t- takes some of Dean's hair, and he's like, I'm coming in with you. Dean's like, I don't want you digging around in my head. <laughs> so they end up going into the dream world. And now the first part of the dream, they see Lisa Braden with a picnic set up for Dean. Now Dean claims he's never had this dream before, and Sam doesn't believe him. No. And Dean and Sam get separated again. Sam goes after Jeremy, and Dean has to confront his own dream Dean. And he gets it. Um, It's his own worst nightmare. Is that it? So Sam finds Jeremy in the dream um, in a really freaky way. You think that Sam wakes up in the Impala, and Dean's still sleeping next to him, and you're like, oh, crap, Sam's awake, and Dean's still in there. But then Dean turns his head, and it's Jeremy! And so, as every villain has to do, he gives some exposition, and he says, the reason I killed Dr. Greg was because he took the dream root away from me, and I was hooked on it, and I needed to dream. Which is understandable. I mean, you can go crazy without the ability to dream. Yeah, anyway, so back with Dean on Dean action. Dream Dean asserts that all the things Dean loves are his dad's, and that he's nothing of his own. And since John didn't even care if he lived or died, why should he? Dean actually, finally, after a severe tongue lashing from Dream Dean, Dean finally strikes back, and he says his dad was an obsessed bastard that couldn't protect his own family. Dean was always there for Sammy, and his dad never was, and... He says, I don't deserve what he put on me, and I don't deserve to go to hell, and shoots him. Intense. Very intense. Great fight scene. Great I, acting on on um, Jensen's part. I know. He had to act both parts, and he did them perfectly. I know. And the thing I loved is that it takes that, like, pushing to the extremes for Dean to realize that he, he doesn't. really doesn't want to go to hell. Yeah. And then after the, after the dream Dean is apparently dead... He shoots back up, and his eyes turn black, because he's a demon. But then, we flash back to Sam and Jeremy, and Sam reveals, you know, I took the dream route too, and I can control this dream now. So he conjures up Jeremy's dad, and then, with Jeremy distracted, he kills him. And Anyway, so So. now the dream is over. Back in reality, they wonder why Bella helped them in the first place. And, well, actually, Bobby wonders why Bella helped me, because he couldn't figure it out. And he's like, don't you remember? You saved her life. I helped her get a good deal. That was it. And so they realized that she must have been after something else. And turns out she stole the cult. They need the cult. Oh my god, I couldn't believe this. He showed where the cult was. He did. Because he put the dream root in that safe. So Dean finally does some thinking and he confesses to Sam that he doesn't want to die and he doesn't want to go to hell. Sam's like, all right, we'll find a way we'll to do save it. you. So the episode ends with Demon Dean repeating his haunting words. You can't escape me, Dean. And this, this is what you're going to become. Um, I would give this episode an A because it was super amazing. I I thought it was good the first time I watched it. And then the second time, I was like, this is more epic than I 
ever thought. I think because when we watch it, we watch it with a big group, and we're always discussing, even during the episode, mm-hmm. and sometimes we miss some certain key phrases. And so when I watched it by myself, it was just way more intense. So I really liked it in that respect, and then getting all this knowledge about Bobby and Dean was good to have. What did you think? I'd give it an A, because I, I love dream sequences. I loved the cinematography during the dream sequence, so I thought it was beautifully well done. I thought the plot line was great. I, I absolutely adore Bobby, and there was tons of Bobby action. However, I'm not giving an A+, plus because there were a couple scenes that they could have done better at explaining, and they could have done without. It's like the fantasy, which, even though it was insanely amusing, they could have done without, and they got out of Bobby's dream sequence way too easily, which was annoying. Anyways, so, um, this is Kristen. And this is Beth. And it was good talking to you guys. Thanks for your time. Thank you for that excellent recap. Let's move on to analysis and theories in my discussion with Josh. Um, overall, I thought it wasn't a bad episode, but it wasn't really one of my favorites either. Um, I enjoyed all the personal stuff that was going on that we learned about Bobby and Sam and Dean, but I wasn't crazy about the antagonist or his character or how that was all fleshed out. That's very true. I really, really liked this one, except for that. You, you <laughs> pinned it exactly on the nose. I loved the rest of the episode. but and, and there was a reason for the bad guy being the way he was, and we'll talk about that later. But Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that was great. We finally got to know more about Bobby, and... I don't know, it was just overall, it was a really good episode, and I just absolutely love that song, Dream a Little Dream of Me, so (laughs) maybe that was clouding my perception a little bit. That was nice how that was included in the title and in the show. Yes. So, uh, what did you like, specifically? Well, um, like we mentioned, I really liked learning more about Bobby and how he became a hunter. Uh, We still don't know, you know, everything about his past and exactly what was going on with his wife, but we learned that she was possessed and he had to kill her. And that set him on a path to hunting. And we don't know why he was he's close with John and his kids, but it was still nice to get some background on him. Oh, exactly. I just wondered, did he have any kids? Ah, good question. They didn't talk about that. But the fact that Bobby was married kind of took me by surprise a little bit because he seems like a hermit bachelor kind of guy. He does. Yeah, he, he really. Does. So maybe he's just because he's been a bachelor for such a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess... <laughs> I would venture to guess that uh, his wife was probably his last romantic relationship. That's my bet, too. Yeah, I bet he was um, kind of the way John was traumatized. Probably the same thing right. happened to Bobby. Right. <laughs> so maybe that's what they have in common. They met on a hunt or something. That's a good point. You both lose their wives to demonic forces. It's surely got to bond you. Maybe John had some sort of role in all of it as well. I mean, we don't know how long ago Bobby lost his wife hard to tell how old he is he's buried under the beard and the hats it's hard to get a good beat on his age yeah and you know tv uh, you just never know how old the person is because in real life they could be something and then they're playing a character that's like 12 years older than what they really are so you really have no idea (laughs) (laughs) right like jeffrey dean morgan is actually only 12 years older than jensen ackles so (laughs) it's pretty early to start having kids yeah yeah I'd, i'd say so (laughs) <laughs> so um so the bobby stuff loved absolutely loved it i really liked the mythology that they had with the dream walking i liked it a lot better than the witch stuff that we 
kind of discussed last week. But um, I've always been fascinated with dreams, and I absolutely love Nightmare on Elm Street, and so I liked that killed in a dream, die in real life thing. So that part of it was great. I, I enjoyed that too. I mean, it wasn't really explained in depth about how it was all working besides taking that special drug, but I definitely enjoy the whole subconscious coming to life in their dreams and experiencing each other's, you know, what hidden truths and desires and stuff by entering their dreams and at some point controlling them even. You're right. They didn't necessarily discuss all the details, but I think, (laughs) and I would have liked more of that. Like, why was the professor doing what he did? Why, what were his results? Like, were other people affected besides just this guy? You know, they didn't go into any of that, but it worked. You know, they gave us like (laughs) the watered down Cliff's Notes version and it it worked all right. (laughs) Very watered down. I know there's a time constraint, but I was, a lot of times I was going, why? Oh, okay. Yeah, you just don't think too hard about it sometimes. It probably helps a lot with the dream stuff. Oh, it, it probably does. And the fact that it's all kind of mysterious and you don't know what's really going on, I think maybe that was the angle they were going for, you know, right. so that they didn't have to explain things too closely. Like, yeah, just accept the fact they're taking a crazy route and then going somebody's dreams. It seemed a bit strange that Bobby ended up there, how he did. Like, why wasn't it somebody else? But I know the show was trying to use Bobby and bring him in and then tie in some of this backstory. I mean, that part was great, but it didn't seem quite real how he got involved. Yeah. Honestly, I thought his... Not only was it weird how he was involved, but it was weird how the bad guy that decided to deal with him, you know, trapping him in a dream with his crazy wife instead of just offing him in the first place there wasn't and you know like you said it was a good reason to pull the guys in and get him involved but it was a little flimsy of an excuse i guess i just give this episode too much credit but um i took it to mean that that was bobby's kind of worst nightmare like that was what was stuck in his head and that was repressed and that the dude could either use those repressed memories and, and that hard stuff against you, and usually it kills you right away, but Bobby is such a good hunter that he was able to fight it. He had himself locked in that back room, and he was you know, fighting it, and I guess the guy in the dream, maybe he didn't, or you know, the guy in real life, he didn't know that this random guy was a hunter. That's true. That makes sense, because in, he didn't directly attack Dean in his dream either. In both dreams, he only attacked Sam, who was kind of also an interloper. Yeah. You know, in the situations, which, you know, at the time I was like, why, why is he not just finishing him off? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... That that helps make a little more sense. That's good. And you know, and speaking of the dreams, I that was one of the things I really enjoyed about this episode was the creepy vibe of Dean's dream. I, there was just su- such a sense of dread when they first woke up in the car and got separated. And I thought that was really done in a really frightening way. And they did a good job of getting across the you know whole uneasiness of the situation. I really enjoyed the uh, in Dean's dream the transition that they had from the forest to the hallway covered in the forest wallpaper. Oh yeah. I thought that was a really nice shot. I don't know if it was the set designers or who decided on that but that was a, a nice touch. It was. <laughs> and, you know and there was some continuity because um, well Dean had his uh, magic fingers back. <laughs> right. 
So the we've seen that motel room many times, but it was actually right. usually they try to change it up a little bit and make it seem like it's somewhere they haven't been before. But I swear we've actually almost <laughs> seen that room before. <laughs> I'm sure we have. I mean, it was really closely decorated, so I guess they're running out of ideas or what. But <laughs> maybe they have like this, you know, set of hotels that they hit on the road. This list of <laughs> really cheap. <laughs> Hotels with magic fingers. Yeah. Weren't they in, uh, was it Philadelphia? Yeah, I don't think they've been there before. So, so much for that excuse. It might be a chain <laughs> of like right, there you go. CD motels. Next time you're on the road, try our one in Cheyenne. We'll leave the red light on for you. That's right. So, speaking of uh, other things that we liked, I really liked, and this is talking about Dean's dream again. I liked that Sam did not get a good look into Dean's head. I, that was definitely, you know, counter to what I was expecting. It was, exactly. I thought for sure, you know, Dean's worst fears are going to come true and Sam was going to see what he was really thinking and the things he's hiding from Sam, but he didn't. Sam got stuck outside with, you know, baseball bat guy and right. <laughs> and then Dean had to deal with his inner demons. And I thought that was a really well done predicament that they had there in the, the setup. You know, everyone keeps secrets. Dean is no exception and Sam still doesn't know. And I thought that was great. I think that's great too. It was a good way of letting Dean deal with the fact that he, he believes he has no other role in life other than to protect Sam. And that's all he has left. Yep. And if Sam had witnessed that, that would have changed their whole dynamic and really brought up a lot of uncomfortable issues that would be difficult to deal with in the show. So it was good for him to face that without having to, you know, confront Sam about it. Yeah. The other thing about that that I really liked, which was uncomfortable for Dean, where Sam saw his little picnic set, you know, with the oh, with geez. Ben's mom. It's actually really good that Dean is thinking about the world beyond the one he's living in. Like he's dreaming. He still has hopes and, and dreams and he's not just interested in ending it all and being done with it. He kind of has that other side to him, which obviously yeah. he's hiding from Sam, but <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was really promising. Yeah, that was a really nice touch, I thought. And, and it made it seem like he might want something more out of his life than just being a hunter and perhaps you know, form some relationships that go beyond the one-night stands that he's used to. Yeah, exactly. So that was great. Very cheesy, but right. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't had stupid cheesy dreams before? And, you know, I thought it was also good that Dean, once again, was able to deal somewhat with what a crappy father his dad was. You mentioned earlier in the episode that Bobby was like a father to him, and, in this, and then he also deals with... That's because... You know, John put so much responsibility on him, and I'm sure Bobby was more into taking care of him and protecting them as opposed to, you know, raising a soldier. It's interesting. The more John comes up, the more we kind of see insight in other areas that we hadn't even really thought of before. With the Christmas episodes, you know, it, it, the whole deal with that, how young it's not only we saw before, you know, in season one that Dean's had to take care of Sam since a very young age, but mm -hmm. not only has he had to take care of him, but he's had to help him through the major moments in his life, like dealing with the revelation of being a hunter and facing monsters and all the stuff that John should have taken care of from the beginning. Exactly. And the more we learn about John, you know, I do have respect for the guy. He did his best. He really did. I think he did 
as good of a job as he could have ever given the circumstances of Mary's death and, and what happened. Right. Like he really did a good job. He trained his boy as well, but he um, obviously wasn't the most affectionate person. <laughs> and, right. um, and so Dean had to be mom and dad to Sam and it was rough on him, but it actually made him into a, a very devoted person. And it really helps us understand, you know, why he is so protective because he, he's his brother, obviously, and he's going to be protective of him, but it all makes more sense now, and you know, like you said, how devoted he is, and how caring, and how much responsibility he takes on. And like you said, the more we see of John and his past of how he dealt with Dean, it really makes a lot more sense. Speaking of Dean dealing with all this stuff, I, you know, once again was impressed with Jensen Ackles' acting mm-hmm. in this episode, and and sometimes we get the breezy, formulaic episodes for a while, and you forget how good he is at playing that kind of stuff, and. It just surprised me again in this episode what a good job he does. Yeah. What's interesting is there was an article on, on one of the fan boards on LiveJournal where somebody was saying, I'm really tired of everybody saying how amazing Jensen is, you know, that Jared is okay and he's good, but Jensen is absolutely amazing and people rave about it. She's <laughs> like, I'm so annoyed with that because, you know, Jared does a really good performance and, you know, it's it's not his fault. I mean, he's doing a really great job. It's just Jensen is always outshining him. I'm like, yeah, it's true. Uh, but I think <laughs> I think so much of it is the writing and the character that Sam is um, more reserved. He's more right. introspective and he doesn't really have moments to shine. The writers don't give him those because it's just not in his character. He doesn't get the big showy moments. That's right. And Jensen, I mean, he is amazing. I've been saying that for, you know, three years now. <laughs> you know, people all over the board are like, oh, my God, I can't believe Bella. She had, he had a dream about Bella. What's going on? But if you actually watched the interaction of Sam and, you know, in this dream, and then when he woke up and then Bella showed up at the door, <laughs> I just about died. The expression on his face and the way he said, Bella, it was just so funny. It was Definitely the the humor coming out in the episode, but oh, his expression and his acting was so good. It was. When he was trying to be all nonchalant when Dean mentions her, that was fantastic. So is she, like, going to (laughs) help? That's one thing that Jared Padalecki has always been good at is comedy. You know, if you ever see any interviews with him and stuff, Mm -hmm. he's always joking around. And he doesn't get as much comedy as Dean does in in this show, so it's always funny good to see when he does get the funny lines oh exactly yep and um i read a couple things about this episode the making of this episode um at creation con that was in chicago last november jared and jensen were relating a story about this episode um they said that jim jim beaver um who plays bobby was lying in a hospital bed trying to deliver his lines right and just off camera, Jared was trying to make a mess up by playing with his toes while he was lying there. Jensen, <laughs> Jensen said that Jared was playing This Little Piggy Went to Market. And despite the distraction um, from Jared and Jensen, Jim delivered all the lines perfectly. Then as soon as the camera stopped rolling, he said, what's wrong with you to Jared? <laughs> and Jared said he has toes of steel and that he was very impressed and will have to step up his game. And uh, what about the things you didn't like? Number one is one we mentioned before was the bad guy. I I didn't really get a lot of his motivation other than being crazy because he couldn't dream. And like you said, we didn't understand 
his backstory with the professor and why the professor was running these experiments and why he quit and how he got into the whole dream root situation. And also, you know, in the dreams, it just seemed weird the way he chose to deal with Sam. It seemed like in Bobby's dream, he was ready to kill him on the spot. And then in Dean's, you know, conveniently, he's going to torture him for a while. And I don't know. He just didn't seem really well drawn you know, really well fleshed out as a character. I think I know why. Back in October of last year, Kripke announced that um, in an article on um, the Supernatural fan fanzine, um, he said that they were going to have Jason Voorhees show up from Friday the 13th in this episode. Okay. Ah. So they were going to have, you know, Jason show up with his ho- hockey mask and, you know, have this, you know, that would be the bad guy. Right. Well, they couldn't get the rights. Oh. So at the last minute, they actually pulled the idea. So I think what happened was they had this character in this episode all lined up for some time. Actually, this episode has been in talks for a really long time. They didn't know when it was going to go, but the idea has been around forever. Um, that's what Sarah Gamble said. Then when they had this problem with the copyright issues and they couldn't do that, <laughs> then they had uh. to come up with something else. That makes sense, because it felt kind of thrown together. <laughs> yeah, so they were trying to find you know, a way to have Sam and Dean fight Jason, only it's not Jason. So instead of giving him like a machete or you know, a chainsaw, some big gory weapon that would have been much more efficient, they gave him the stupid baseball bat. I mean, at least if you have this character that isn't consistent and isn't all that interesting, at least give him a good weapon. Yeah, no kidding, because he was not frightening. <laughs> I mean, every horror movie knows that. He was not a frightening villain at all. And I thought the end was a little, and maybe it's just me being dumb, but with Sam, when he finished him off in the dream, I guess he killed him in the dream and the guy died. You know, I guess it just goes to show he really doesn't have any problem killing humans now. You know, but he's still in in Sam's defense, and I agree with you, but in Sam's defense, I would say that if he doesn't stop him, the guy is just going to keep doing this to all sorts of other people. Right. So he is just as bad, even though he's human, than he as a demon or a witch or you know somebody else that's doing bad things. I guess it just it seemed like a big moment to me, you know, him killing a, a person instead of a demon or some supernatural creature, and it just seemed kind of glossed over. Yeah, I mean, it's happened before, and that's come up before, though. So I mean, it has happened, but it it just goes to show that. Yeah, Sam is either becoming cold and heartless, or he's just adapting. (laughs) Right, so they just ran out of time. (laughs) Uh, My only other complaint really was, um, I thought the, beyond the dream, I thought the interaction with Bella was kind of weird. It, you know, she had the, uh, they saved her life from the ghost attack when she was drowning without being in any water. And yet when she shows up, they're all like, why are you helping us? And she makes up some weird lame excuse about saving Bobby's life. I don't know. It just felt really odd to me. Oh, totally. You know, and I think this is the complaint I have with Bella. Her character is just not all that believable. Like she's so (laughs) fickle that you, I mean, she does provide some interesting interactions. Like, you know, things happen because of her. I know they want her to be this big main part of the story and, I just, I don't like her, but it's for reasons like this. It's because they don't right. use her properly. They don't write her character with any sort of consistency. 
Exactly. She could have just said, oh, well, you know, I want to repay the favor or made up anything more believable other than... And I know they wanted to give her a reason or, you know, a means for Bobby to expose her. But still, it was... They didn't trust her off the bat. And to me, the last time we saw her, she was supposedly developing some kind of affection for the guys. So that seemed to be where we were headed. And yes, she was opportunistic. And yes, she's selfish. But... It seems like a big leap for her to steal the one thing that is protecting them from the horrible demon forces that are after them. If she really cared at all, you know, (laughs) she wouldn't be pulling that kind of stuff. Exactly. And I mean, I know why they did it. You're right. But it just, it seems so strange. Part of me hopes that they're like, oh, she had to do it. You know, she was under some sort of compulsion, you know, something that she had to take care of and it required the cult and whether it be some deal that she got herself into before or whatever. But then the other half of me says, you know, I don't even care. Just <laughs> let her be a bad guy and let that be the end of it. I don't know. You know, they think Bella's a bad person just because she's a demon. And here she's like the good one. And Bella is the human who's a total bad person. Right. I like Ruby. Bella, not so much. You know, it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if she'd made a pact with one of the demons. And that's why she needed the cult. I don't know. She's just been on this fine line. I know they're trying to straddle her on the line between good guy and bad guy. Is she a friend or foe? But she doesn't have to be either one, but she can't be both, you know? And she's right now, she's like, oh, yeah, y'all totally saved my life for going in. Oh, yeah, she might steal some stuff, make some money on the side, but to do something that downright evil (laughs) seems pretty big leap. Yeah, you know, it's funny that the writers are doing exactly the same thing with Bella and Ruby. Like, they're practically the same character only with like a different setup and like a few different character traits but you're (laughs) supposed to feel the same thing about both of them right are they good or are they bad who knows yeah it's so weird i'm like why if you're gonna introduce these two female characters at least make them different from each other (laughs) something distinctive they're kind of interchangeable maybe that's what they're trying to do where oh yeah bella they're both mysterious. You don't know if they're good or bad. And Bella's a human, and she's really evil. And Ruby's a demon, and she's really good. That kind yeah. of contrast. I had two big questions left over from this episode. Uh, one is obvious. Now that Sam's, I mean, Dean's decided he wants to live, of course, how are they going to save him? Continuing question. But also, along with that, is Dean going to fess up and tell Sam that Ruby was lying to him about having a way of saving Dean? Hmm. Are we sure she's lying? Oh, yeah. Which one of them is she lying to? <laughs> Good point. She's lying to somebody. And is she lying to Dean to try to entice him to do something and is being truthful with Sam? That's what I oh. hope. Maybe. That's a good point. So basically, the moral of the show is women are liars who cannot be trusted. Pretty much. Yeah. That's big question number one. Big question number two is... Why did she steal the cult, and what is she going to do with it? Well, I mentioned my idea, that she actually has some sort of pact or some deal with the demon, one of the demons, and she needs it. I think she just wants a lot of money, and she knows it's irreplaceable. Which is pretty rude and selfish, and (laughs) that might actually be interesting if they take that route with her, that greed is her only motivation for anything. Which is pretty much how she's portrayed so far. Right. And now that Bella has it, you know, 
what's going to happen? Like, who's it going to go to? Is it going to get stolen from her? Is she going to use it? Oh, good question. Maybe she's going to use it on Ruby. Or maybe Ruby's going to take her down for stealing it. I'd like to see that showdown. Or maybe they're in cahoots, and that's the demon she's in league with. Ah, maybe Bella is a demon. So basically, we have no idea what's going to happen next. Pretty much. (laughs) As usual. Yep, that's about right. And you know what? I bet the cult isn't even going to come up in the next, what, two episodes. So we're going to have to wait until, you know, the strike looks like it's going to be settled this week, actually. But... Let's say they start production and we get a few more episodes sometime down the line. Maybe in like, I don't know, six months, we'll find out about the cold. <laughs> Maybe. Here's hoping for renewal. Actually, Kripke is pretty positive about the renewal thing. Otherwise, he's going to have a lot of questions to answer in like two episodes. We'll have to start doing movies or something. So did you have any favorite quote? There were a lot of really good ones, but because I... You know, didn't actually go back and watch the episode again. I don't remember any of them, except for the one interaction where Sam said, the truth is no one can save you. And Dean says, that's what I've been trying to tell you. And Sam says, no, what I mean is no one can save you because you don't want to be saved. Oh. But of course, then by the end of the episode, we realize that that's not true. Right. He does. So he's just lying to his baby brother. He thinks there's a way out of it and Dean just doesn't want it. That's right, and Dean thinks the opposite. Right. <laughs> My favorite quote was when they were talking about, um, you know, the whole possibility of dreamwalking and all that, and Sam's telling Dean about the legends, and Dean says, I take it we believe the legends, and he says, when don't we? I know, I know. When it comes to fairy tales, he doesn't believe. Yeah, but you're right. I thought there were a lot of good, good quotes, and probably my real favorite is there's whole interaction after... Sam's dream, but that's something that's all in the delivery. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it it was a standalone for the most part, but it did, again, these standalones that are giving us like all sorts of canon. When did they become hybrids? It used to be one or the other. It's true. I don't know, maybe Kripke just realizes that the fans are kind of irritated that he doesn't ever answer any questions, so he's trying to (laughs) make up for it. (laughs) He did say that the fans keep him on his toes. Because they let him know when he's done things wrong (laughs) or made inconsistencies or something like that. (laughs) He said he reads the boards, actually, to get an idea of what the, you know, it's real time feedback. Like you don't have to wait for an episode to air and all of the, the, you know, the, the news media and all the regular reviewers. It takes like a week or two to get your responses. With the fan boards, you log in like a minute after the episode is done and boom, (laughs) everyone's reactions are there. It's true. That can be pretty intimidating, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. It's great, I'm sure, when you have an episode people like, but then when you have one where people don't like. But I think this was one of the better episodes this season. I enjoyed it. I have yet to, you know, have a... And of course, I cannot remember the name of the episode, but... (laughs) There's a particular one that I hated with quite a passion last season, and I have not felt that this season, because I think it's been a pretty solid one. It has. Last season was a lot of angst and irritating boys, and I didn't, you know, overall, I didn't really like the season all that much. There were a couple episodes that I really didn't like, 
And I know at least one, I can't remember the title either, it blocked it out apparently. <laughs> right. Where, yeah. where we absolutely panned it. Yes. Oh, it was like unadulterated hate. And that, that has not happened this season. No, it really hasn't. Oh, speaking of ratings, this episode was the lowest rated episode of Supernatural's history. Oh, no. 2.67 million. Eek. <laughs> the lowest in history. I'm going to blame confusing schedules. Um. Well, yeah, th- I bet that's part of it. I also blame the CW for not much advertising, but that's typical. Right. right. The main problem is Lost. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Now, Lost used to be a show that everybody hated because it got so darn confusing that everybody tuned out and they gave up. Right. <laughs> yes. But... I've been reading all over the boards about fans of Supernatural who said, oh, I had to watch Lost when it was new, and I taped Supernatural. So it just killed the ratings because so many Supernatural fans are fans of Lost because apparently this season it came back really good for some reason. Last last season's uh, ending was really, really good, and it brought a lot of people back, I think. Yeah, and they've kind of revamped it from what I hear. Yeah, I was ready to give up on it last season, but... I think when the DVR numbers come back and the iTunes numbers come back, it'll change a little bit. You know, because a lot of people, it is their second show. So tell your coworkers, tell your friends, tell your boss, tell your classmates, tell everybody, go watch it. Tape, Lost, watch Supernatural. And if you need to catch up, you can get them on iTunes or Xbox Live even. So get out there, watch them, make everybody watch them, because we want a renewal. (laughs) That's right. Don't make us have a bake sale. Okay, let's move on to legends and references. The first is African dream root. It's been used in Southern African spiritual rituals for centuries. It contains a psychoactive compound which has not yet been identified that produces intense and imaginative dreams. There are several ways to prepare it. Either half a teaspoon mixed with half a cup of water and junk on an empty stomach, or a heaped tablespoon mixed with half a liter of water and the water is blended until froth is formed. The froth is drunk before going to bed. The tea made of African dream root has an ochre color and traditionally has been used to communicate with one's ancestors. As seen in this episode, Jeremy is a man who hasn't dreamt in years. He takes the plant to bring back his dreams. However, he misuses this power through dream walking. To achieve this, he adds a bit of the bodily essence of the person he wants to visit in his dreams, like spit or hair to the tea. And dreamwalking is the ability to leave the barriers of one's own mind while asleep. It allows the dreamwalker to enter someone else's dream and observe or control them. Dreamwalking is a form of telepathy and therefore a psychic power. To think of it another way, it's like channel surfing in your sleep. Except that instead of changing channels as you would on television, you're actually hopping from dream to dream, visiting thoughts of other people as they sleep. You may be saying to yourself that if this is possible, then other people could enter my dreams. And yes, that's true. And it's a perfectly natural phenomenon. It's because of the simple fact that we fail to remember the majority of our dreams that most people don't realize it's actually happening. Have you ever had a dream that felt like someone was intruding into it? That felt that someone didn't belong or that you were being threatened or attacked? If so, then you may have been experiencing someone walking through your dream. It's a common form of telepathy and is similar to the subconscious telepathy that we experience on a daily basis while we're awake. Whether we realize it or not, all of our minds are constantly communicating on a subconscious level. Jung called this the collective unconscious. It's like an interlacing network of ideas and thought forms. 
Sometimes when we are asleep and dreaming, we simply bump into one another's thoughts, and this can be experienced as dream walking. This concept is highly explored in the film A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors. So we had a couple songs in this episode, Long Train Runnin' by the Doobie Brothers and Dream a Little Dream of Me, the cover by Mama Cass Elliot. The song in the episode is named after, and that is the version we played the snippet of first thing in this episode. The song of the night tonight is Forget All We Used to Know by Bows and Arrows. The song is brought to you by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Enjoy. it for this episode. Our review for episode 3.11 Mystery Spot will be out in a couple days. Don't forget the last new episode until approximately April is airing this Thursday in the CW. Thanks for listening and take care. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Podcast. You can visit my website at supernaturalpodcast.blogspot.com or send me an email at supernaturalpodcast at gmail.com. Please note that the opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and not of the producers of Supernatural or The CW. Audio clips played on this podcast are property of The CW and no infringement is intended. 
Some of the music heard here is from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com.